I am uh, very grateful that the church has always been part of my story. Now, uh, these days, of course, that's an obvious point. Uh, but looking back on my life, the church has, has always been there. And it's true that my involvement with the church waxed and waned a bit in my 20s. Um, and it's also true that for a while I was unsure which Christian tradition would be my theological home, but the church has always been part of my story, and, and for that I am very grateful. Now, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say many times that I was raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, mostly in small-town parishes. Um, this is the inside of St. Mary's Church in Barnesville, Maryland, where I spent a very formative decade of my life. My parents are here this morning. I was very excited to be able to show that picture with them here. Um, I have so many great memories of that church. Um, our priest growing up was a guy named Father Reed. He was my theological hero. He had a, he's the one that I've told you before, had the bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you and I'm trying. <laughs> Irish Catholic guy was awesome. And now this is a, a slightly different scale. <laughs> than our, our church here at Christ United Methodist Church, but it was uh, still a, an amazing place to grow up. And it was a very, very rare occasion that we ever missed church on Sundays. Uh, we'd go to the Knights of Columbus pancake breakfasts. We would help with the church's big chicken dinner fundraiser each year. That's where I learned the magic of the church cakewalk. I love cakewalks. Um, it, was a, it was like, the best way to describe it is kind of small town Americana in the late 1970s and then the 1980s. And I have uh, nothing but fond memories of growing up in the church. And then when I went off to college, um, pretty much the entire campus at Notre Dame seemed like church, <laughs> especially the football stadium. Uh, my freshman year was the last time we won the national title. I assume that 35-year drought is going to continue another year, but you never know. You never know. Every student at Notre Dame was given a prayer book at orientation. I still have that in my office. There was daily mass in the Basilica of the Sacred Heart, which is just to the left of the dome. Um, and literally every dorm on campus had both a clergy person who lived there and a special mass in each dorm every Sunday. I'm telling you, the whole campus was like church. Now, after college, as so many young people do, I wandered a bit. I spent some time in different Christian traditions. My church attendance was a bit sporadic for a while. But when Whitney and I, um, it, when it became clear that we were going to get married at some point, our relationship was getting serious, uh, we began to intentionally look for a community of faith to call home. We came from different traditions growing up. And so um, when we walked into the doors of a United Methodist Church one January Sunday, 23 years ago now, we knew we'd found that home. Before long, um, we were in church most weeks. We officially joined after a few months. And when we did, we became part of a, of a community that ended up radically changing, I mean, obviously, look what I'm wearing today, radically changing our lives in ways that we never could have imagined when we first walked through the doors. Um, we got involved in service projects, first thing. The first thing we did, um, and one Saturday in September of that first year, because of a service project, we even missed the Notre Dame game versus Purdue, which is Whitney's alma mater. And that's when I was convinced that the Holy Spirit was really working on us. The clearest indication that I was serious about church was missing a Notre Dame game to do something with church. Uh, we were asked to start a Sunday school class with other young people. That 
group became some of our closest friends, remain so to this day. Uh, we joined the adult volunteer team working with the youth group. Um, that's the group that would ultimately lead to my call to ordained ministry. And we even, believe it or not, we signed up for, we voluntarily signed up for that most Methodist of things, a committee. <laughs> we signed up for a committee of the church. Now, every one of us has a different, a different church origin story, right? Some of us are cradle Methodists or uh, were brought to whatever tradition we were raised in from when we were very little. Um, some of us come here later in life, we get to this place in a variety of ways, and we each connect with this place in a variety of ways. The purpose of that community connection survey is to, is to help us help you get connected if you're not already. And it's true that um, of all of us here in the church, um, the concept of church probably means something slightly different to each of us, and it's probably true that what the church means to us maybe shifts a little bit in different seasons of our lives. I've been in church for all of my 53 years in some way or another, and as I said, I'm very grateful that I cannot remember a time in my life uh, when church was not at least part of my story. And while no church is perfect, and while not a single person in any church is perfect, and while, you know, as an imperfect institution made up of imperfect people, it will from time to time frustrate me, it will from time to time even uh, occasionally let me down. <laughs> but imperfect as it is, I cannot honestly for the life of me understand why anyone would miss out on being part of all the church has to offer. Because this is where we first meet God. This is where we discover the meaning and the purpose that, that shapes our lives no matter what it is we do for a living. This is where we find comfort and solace when times are tough and those times come for us all. This is where we learn that, that our eternity is secure thanks to our faith in Christ. And uh, to the point of our sermon mini-series that begins today, this is where we find the most important community in our lives. So this week and next, we're gonna be reading from uh, the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans to discover what one of the most important thinkers in Christian history believed and taught about what it means to be the church. So the Apostle Paul devoted his life to preaching the gospel. He devoted his life to, to forming communities of believers uh, who wanted to follow Jesus. He, he devoted his life to, to teaching them what it means to be in community with each other because we do it differently than other human institutions. And he did all this in the context of a world in which um, there were not any such communities as of yet. They were doing a new thing. He was doing all this in a world in which um, many were hostile to Christianity. So that, means, that meant that, that faith came with a risk. He was, he was preaching to people whom he had to convince that following Jesus is the most important commitment in their lives and that the community of the church would be the anchor of their transformed lives. And the way he taught us all this, taught them all this, and continues to teach us all this is through his letters. Uh, there are 13 letters in the New Testament attributed to Paul. At least seven of those were definitely written by him. And Romans is probably his most important um, for a variety of reasons that we don't have time for today. Just take my word for it for now. Um, Romans chapter 12, verses three to eight. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed. 
by God's servant, the Apostle Paul. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, as I say, I don't, I don't understand why, any, why any, anyone would deprive themselves uh, of the community that we find in the church, but of course we know that plenty do. Uh, Harvard University does something called the, the comprehensive, uh, no, the cooperative, the cooperative election uh, study, which is a, a comprehensive survey of the American population during election cycles. Um, as the name implies, the idea is to, to get a sense of who we are as Americans during that snapshot in time when we head to the polls. And in the last presidential election, so 2020, they found that um, the number of Americans who never attend religious services had reached 75 million never attend, while uh, the number who attended weekly were, uh, was 65 million. So 75 million never, 65 million weekly. 10 million more Americans never go to church than do every week. And as we're going through our 50th anniversary year here at Christ United Methodist Church, uh, it's interesting to think how different that number would have been when our church was founded. Tens of millions of Americans these days never darken the doors of, of a church. And the thing is, the thing is that's a shame because uh, people who, who do not have the kind of community that you and I get in church are, are missing more than they realize. Um, there's this book that's just come out with an accompanying documentary series on Netflix. You may have heard of it. Uh, it's called The Blue Zones, Secrets for Living Longer. The Blue Zones, if you heard about this. Um, lessons from the healthiest places on earth. And the author went to places where the longest, um, where people lived the longest, and they, they studied the, the commonalities among their lifestyles. And not surprisingly, uh, being part of a faith community is one of those commonalities. So in this study in the Blue Zones, they, there were 263 100-year-old centenarians um, from around the world, all different places. And of those 263, exactly five were not part of a faith community. <laughs> All the other 263 were. And research in general shows that being part of a community of faith um, can add somewhere between four and 14 years to your life. And this, of course, is in addition to all of the psychological and emotional and spiritual benefits of having a church home. Being part of a community of faith simply changes our lives for the better, spiritually, emotionally, mentally and physically. And the Apostle Paul cared deeply about the community of the church. He was very interested in helping people become true 
community, and he understood it to be the body of Christ in the world. This is, this is Paul's notion, guided by the Holy Spirit. It's where we get it. It's a metaphor that I particularly love because it properly values every member of the church. We are all essential parts of the body. He says, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. And I love that Christian theology is so clear on this. We, we need each other. In all of our uniqueness, in all of our diversity, in all of our differences of opinion, which you may have noticed we have some differences of opinion, even in all of our disagreements. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another because we are all redeemed by the same Lord. We are all called to be his hands and feet in the world and we do that best, we live most fully when we're together. Healthy communities of faith like this one, which we've always prided ourselves on being a big tent church, we're able to do that because we take Paul's theology seriously. It's not just that you're welcome here. Welcome is the bare minimum a church should offer. It's that you're needed here. You are an essential part of this place along with everyone else who calls this their church home. We would be something less than we could be without you. And that means just as you are, with the gifts that God has given you, gifts that are intended to build up the body of Christ and transform the world. And when I think about what it means to be part of the community of the church, um, two people immediately come to mind, Joe and Nelda Williams. So just as Whitney and I were uh, beginning our lives together, Joe and Nelda were in the, in the twilight of their years together before Whitney and I were even married. Joe and Nelda had long since been happy grandparents in retirement. But we shared one particular season in our lives as newcomers to that United Methodist congregation that was the first Methodist congregation I was ever part of. And Joe and Nelda became an early connection for us to the church. We just so happened to go to the same new member gathering as Joe and Nelda. We, we joined the church at the same service on the same day, and the way we did it there, if you wanted to join the church, you came down front, which was a little bit intimidating, by the way, but you came down in the front, and then you, you were offered the vows of membership, and we were welcomed into membership alongside them, and to me, it was like the perfect visual of what the church can and should be. This young couple and this more experienced couple <laughs> standing up there joining the church that should always be for everyone. No matter our stage of life, no matter our age, no matter our spiritual needs, we're all, we're all in this together. And in those early days, um, Whitney and I frequently arrived right before the service started. Uh, if you know my bride, that's not a habit that's necessarily been broken over the years. And so we would, we would kind of straggle in a little bit, maybe just a little bit late. And Joe and Nelda were always our guideposts <laughs> because they got there in plenty of time and they sat in their row and we sat one row behind them. And they were always the first purple, uh, people we greeted during the greeting time. And if we, if we missed a week for whatever reason, Joe and Nelda were always happy to see us when we returned. 
<laughs> and they would tell us they were happy to see us. And that's a pretty good encouragement for a young couple figuring out what church is all about. I mean, the bottom line is that they were kind of like church grandparents for us as a, as a young couple figuring out what it meant to be part of a church family. They represented for us this, an important part of our connection with each other in the body of Christ. Well, a few, hour, a few um, years after we joined, um, Joe passed away, and uh, his funeral was scheduled for Monday at 1 p.m. Now, I, had, I, was, not, I was still working in the cor- corporate world. Whitney was still working in the corporate world. Monday afternoon at 1 is not the most convenient time for us to get there, but we, we took off work because it was important for us to be there. And we, we sat in the same row that we always did, this time without Joe and Nelda to guide us to the spot. And we joined in our church family's celebration of the life of someone who'd been an important connection for us during this super formative time of our lives. Y'all, <laughs> there is just nothing like the community of the church. It's unique, it's blessed. It's holy. It's a, it's a community where, according to Scripture, every one of us is an essential part. United by our faith in Christ, the church is a community of faith, and it's a community of hope, and a community of love. It's a, it's a community that changes our lives like no other has the power to. On this day especially, I give thanks to God that we've all found our community here. Amen.